to escape the wrath and curse of God due to us for sin, God requires of us faith in Jesus Christ, repentance unto life, with the diligent use of all the outward means whereby God, whereby Christ communicates to us the benefits of redemption. Such a, such a marvelous truth. Here we have the gospel, that there is an escape for us. There is a Savior that we can run to, and we must trust in Him. And I would like to read from Acts 16.25-34. Uh, this is listed as a support text for this catechism question and answer. It's a marvelous little passage here. Um, Paul and Silas are in jail because of their witness for Christ. And in verse 25 of Acts 16 we read, About midnight Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in. And trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds, and he was baptized at once he and all his family. Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them, and he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. This is now the reading of God's most holy word. May he add the blessing to the preaching of it this afternoon. Rarely do the morning and evening sermons line up so well. Uh, really, I wish I could say that I planned it. I did not. I mean, it just came together this way. As you know, I preached on faith from Hebrews 11 this morning, and now we are confronted with the necessity of faith again this afternoon. Pay careful attention to the question in Baptist Catechism number 90. What does God require of us that we may escape His wrath and curse due to us for sin? The Catechism, as you know, has been preparing us for this question. Through our consideration of the Ten Commandments, we have been convinced that our sin and guilt before God is real. We are guilty before God. We, we are sinners, for we have violated God's law and thought, word, and deed. And we've also been confronted by this very bad news that every sin deserves God's wrath and curse, both in this life and in that which is to come. So for, for a little while now, we've been confronted with some difficult things. We've been confronted with this truth that God has given us His law, but we have not kept it. We deserve His, His wrath. But here in question 90, we find good news. Even the question itself brings a glimmer of hope. What does God require of us that we may escape His wrath and curse due to us for our sin? I mean, why, why even ask that question unless there is the possibility of, of an escape? And of course, the question suggests that there is a possibility for an escape, there is a way out of this terrible predicament that we find ourselves in. So what is the answer? What does God require of us? What must we do to be saved? That's the question that the Philippian jailer asked. He evidently was hearing Paul and Silas worship. He was listening to what they were saying. 
the earthquake struck and the prisoners were nowhere to be found or he could not see them. So he thought his life was over because he had failed to do the one thing he was commissioned to do, that is to keep the, the prisoners there in that prison. But Paul and Silas being concerned for this man's life, being concerned for their soul, they remained. And they cried out, don't harm yourself, don't do it, we're here. And this man came in trembling and he said, what must I do to be saved? And so that is our question. What must we do to be saved? What must we do? What does God require of us to escape His wrath, to escape this curse that we have been considering? What action must we take? Pay careful attention to what our catechism does not say. The answer is not try harder to keep God's law. We've just considered God's law. Should we keep God's law? Yes, we should. We ought to try very hard to keep God's law, but it's not the answer to the question what must we do to be saved? We do not say try harder to keep God's law, nor do we say go on a pilgrimage, climb this mountain, give so much money, etc. What does God require of us? It is not work that God requires of us, but faith. That is what our catechism says. To escape the wrath and curse of God due to us for sin, God requires of us faith in Jesus Christ. That's the first thing that is said. Faith in Jesus Christ is the required thing. And so understand this. Faith is something that we must exercise. It is something that we must exercise. It is something that we must do. We must place our faith in Jesus Christ. But faith by its very nature is not work. No, it is the receiving of a gift. It is by faith that we receive the gift of salvation. Faith trusts in another. Faith rests in another. Faith receives the work and the reward that someone else has earned for us. I have said this this morning already, so I need not belabor this point. Faith is the open hand by which we receive the gift of salvation. And who is the object of our faith? Who is it that we are to trust in? I suppose that we might answer by saying, God. God is the object of our faith. We trust in God for our salvation. Now there is some truth to that, right? God is the object of our faith. It is the triune God who has saved us, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Salvation is the work of God. The Father sent the Son to accomplish our salvation. The Son accomplished it, and the Father and the Son have sent the Spirit to apply salvation to, to God's elect. And so, yes, our faith must be placed in God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but it is even more accurate to say that Jesus Christ is the object of our faith. To be saved, we must trust in Jesus. And, and why is this? Because Jesus Christ is the Savior that God has provided. God is our Savior, that is very true, but He has saved us through Jesus Christ His Son. Jesus is the mediator between God and man. Jesus is the Messiah that God has sent. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Him. So to be saved, we cannot merely trust in God. We must specifically trust in the Savior that God has provided for us. He is the only way. Again, to escape the wrath and curse of God due to us for sin, God requires of us faith in Jesus Christ. That is what the Scriptures so clearly teach. And I could pile up Bible verses for you, but that passage that we read from Acts 16 will do for now. Again, that jailer was moved to ask Paul and Silas the most important question a person could ask. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And what did they say? Simply this, believe in the Lord Jesus 
and you will be saved. Full stop. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. That was the answer that they gave to that Philippian jailer. And the same was true for his household. They were also to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and they would be saved. So the word of the Lord was proclaimed to his household too. To be saved from our sins, we must believe in Jesus Christ. So why then does our catechism go on to mention repentance unto life with the diligent use of all the outward means whereby Christ communicates to us the benefits of redemption? Why does our catechism go on to mention these things also? Does our catechism deny that wonderful doctrine that salvation comes to us through faith in Christ alone? Does our catechism deny that? says faith in Christ, but then it goes on to mention repentance and the diligent use of outward means. Now, of course, our catechism does not deny this wonderful and, and true biblical doctrine, faith in Christ alone is how we are saved. No, instead our catechism is faithful to teach what the Scriptures teach, which is that we are saved through faith in Christ alone, but that faith, if it is true and saving faith, will never be alone. Instead, faith that is true and saving will be accompanied by repentance and it will produce fruit. Or to use the language from the morning sermon, faith is the open hand by which we receive the gift of salvation, but this same faith, if it is true and saving, will also walk. It will also walk. How are we saved? Answer, through faith in Jesus Christ. Full stop. Once again, I must say it. Full stop. That is how we are saved. That is how we come to have the gift of salvation. That is how we come to be justified, adopted, and set apart unto God as His beloved children. And what does this faith involve? Hear this. It always involves repentance. To trust in Jesus is to turn to Him and from sin. You cannot do the one without the other. It's, it's, it's impossible. You cannot do the first thing without the second. You cannot turn to Jesus without also turning from sin. If you're walking in the wrong direction and you wish to go in the right direction, you must turn around. And that one action of turning around involves two things, doesn't it? You must turn from the wrong way and then go in the right way. And so it is with faith in Christ. Turning to Him involves turning away from sin. And that is what repentance is. It is turning from sin. Faith in Christ, if it is true faith, will always be accompanied by repentance. And that is why repentance is sometimes mentioned as one of the things that must be done in order to be saved. In Acts 16, Paul and Silas simply told the jailer, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And that is true. That is, that is the essence of the matter. That is what must be done. Faith in Christ is required. But elsewhere in the book of Acts, people are told to repent and believe. So which is it? Is it, is it faith in Jesus that's required, or is it faith and repentance that are required? The answer is, it is both. To say, believe in Jesus, and to say, repent and believe in Jesus, is really to say the same thing. For true and saving faith will always be accompanied by repentance. But let me ask you this. Are we saved by the act of believing or are we saved by the act of repenting? Which is it? The answer is this. We are saved by the believing. It is for this reason that the scriptures will often mention faith alone. 
Did Paul and Silas lie to the Philippian jailer when they said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, and they didn't mention anything about repentance? No, they told him the truth. That is the, that is the operative thing. That is the, the essential thing, that, that there be trust in Jesus. Um, but true faith does also involve repentance, you see. Or to think of it this way, if a man is living in some sin, say, the sin of drunkenness, and he repents, uh, that is to say, he turns from that sin, does his act of repentance save him? No, not necessarily. Uh, not unless he turns from his sin and to whom? Jesus. So faith in Jesus is the thing that brings us salvation, but true faith will always involve repentance. In other words, stated negatively, those with true faith in Christ will not continue in unrepentant sin, and those who continue in unrepentant sin show evidence that they do not have true faith in Christ. Lastly, let us consider the phrase, with the diligent use of all the outward means whereby Christ communicates to us the benefits of our redemption. First of all, what are these outward means? What are they? Question 93 of our catechism will answer this by saying, the outward and ordinary means whereby Christ communicates to us the benefits of redemption are His ordinances, especially the Word, baptism, the Lord's Supper, and prayer, all which are made effectual to the elect for salvation. So we know now what the outward means are. Secondly, does our catechism teach that in order to be saved, one must sit under the preaching of the Word of God, be baptized, partake of the Lord's Supper, and pray? We need to be very careful here. And really, the answer to this is not very different from what was said about repentance. It is through faith in Christ that we are saved, full stop. But true faith is always accompanied by repentance, and so repentance is sometimes commanded too, and so it is with the outward and ordinary means. We are saved by faith alone, but true and saving faith is never alone. No, it produces obedience in us. It leads to a faithful walk. In other words, those who have true faith will strive to live a life of obedience to the Lord. And what has Christ commanded us to do as we walk with Him in this world? How has God determined to mark His people off as His own in this world, and to nourish and strengthen them, well, they are to be baptized in water, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They are to devote themselves to the Word of God. They are to partake of the Lord's Supper. They are to pray. Are we saved by sitting under the preached Word? No. We're not saved by that. We are saved by faith in Christ, through, through faith in Christ. Are we saved by baptism? No, it is not the baptism itself that saves us, but it is Christ who saves us. Faith in Him and baptism signifies that. Are we saved by the Lord's Supper or by the act of praying? No, we are saved by faith alone. But this faith, if it is true and saving faith, is never alone. It does lead to a faithful walk, and these are the things that God has commanded us to do. The faithful will do them. I asked you earlier if the man who repents from drunkenness is saved by his repentance. We said, no, not unless he turns from the sin and to Christ. And now I might ask you, are all who sit under the preached word, are all who are baptized, are all who eat the Lord's Supper, are all who pray to God, are all of these saved 
And I hope you would agree with me. The answer is no, not necessarily. And why is that? Because some partake of these things without faith in Christ in their hearts. So just as repentance alone does not save, but only repentance and faith in Christ, neither do church attendance, baptism, the Lord's Supper, or prayer save in and of themselves. They only function as a means of grace if there is faith in Christ in the heart. Faith in Christ, again, is the operative and essential thing that we must have if we wish to be saved, to escape God's wrath and curse. And so let me conclude now with a positive exhortation to you. Do you wish to be saved from your sins? Do you wish to be freed from God's wrath and curse, which is due to you because of sin? Then one, trust in Jesus Christ. He paid for sins. He bore the wrath of God. In Him there is the forgiveness of sins and the hope of life everlasting. Two, this faith that I have mentioned will involve repentance. You cannot continue in sin and follow after Jesus at the same time. Do we struggle with sin? Yes, we all struggle with sin. But we are here talking about unrepentant sin. You cannot continue in unrepentant sin and follow after Jesus at the same time. No, to have faith in Christ means that you have Him as Lord. That is how Paul puts it in Romans 10.9, saying, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So then, turn from your sin and turn to Jesus as Savior and Lord. You cannot have Him as Savior if you will not have Him as Lord. So turn from your sin now and to Jesus. And turn from sin always as you walk with Him in this way. You will struggle with sin as a Christian. This is true. The Christian life is a life of repentance from beginning to end. Three, if you have turned from your sin into faith in Christ, then be sure to make diligent use of all the outward means whereby Christ communicates to us the benefit of redemption. The first of these is His Word. So listen to God's Word. Read it. Hear it read and preach. The Word of God is our daily bread. God nourishes us with it. The second mentioned is baptism. So if you have faith in Christ, be baptized according to the command of Christ. The third is the Lord's Supper. Christ nourishes, encourages, and refines His church through the Lord's Supper. The fourth mentioned is prayer. And it is through prayer that we commune with God. God works through prayer. And we will say more about these things in the weeks to come. But for now, it will suffice to say, if you have faith in Christ, then make use of these ordinary means of grace. For God does distribute the benefits of the redemption that Christ has earned to the faithful through them. They are like conduits of blessing to us. God uses them mightily as we partake of them with faith in our hearts. So what does God require of us that we may escape His wrath and curse due to us for sin? The answer is to escape the wrath and curse of God due to us for sin. Now repeat after me. God requires of us faith in Jesus Christ. Repentance unto life. With the diligent use of all the outward means whereby Christ communicates to us the benefits of redemption. Let's pray. Father in heaven, what a marvelous salvation you have provided for us. Those of us who are here today, most likely all of us have faith in our hearts. We thank you for that gift of faith. We ask that you would strengthen it, Lord. Help us to trust in Jesus alone. 
Not in ourselves, not in religious devotion, not in the church, not even in these wonderful means of grace that you provided for us. For we know that these things by themselves do not have the power to save, but Jesus only. And so refine us in this regard. Strengthen our faith in Christ, O Lord. Father, we pray that our faith would grow stronger and stronger day by day to lead us to a constant walk. God, be glorified in us, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.